Welcome to Twinning It, the podcast that delves into the nitty gritty of parenting twins. I'm Alison Perry, author of OMG It's Twins and mum of preschooler girl twins. And I'm Jenna Banks, journalist and mum of toddler boy girl twins. We know what a challenge it can be to raise twins. So join us as we speak to experts and other twin mums to get answers to all of those burning questions. This episode is brought to you by Mini First Aid, the leading provider of paediatric first aid across the UK. Whether you are a parent, carer or grandparent looking for a first aid or baby proofing class, a professional looking for a first aid qualification course, or perhaps you have a child keen to know the basics of life-saving first aid, multi-award-winning Mini First Aid have a class, a course or online learning for you. Head to minifirstaid.com to find a class near you. Welcome back to another episode of Twinning It. Today we're speaking to the amazing Kate Ball, who you may know as Noah Sark Family on Instagram. Kate is mum of six, which also includes not one, but two sets of twins. Yes, and if that wasn't mind-blowing enough... Kate's passion for helping families with everyday first aid led her to launch her incredibly successful business and passion project, Mini First Aid. It's gone from strength to strength, especially since she landed £50,000 worth of funding from Dragon's Den star Sarah Davis after being brave enough to walk through those scary Dragon's Den doors. Kate, welcome to Twinning It! Thank you so much for inviting me. It's so good to have you on here. I've got to say, you are definitely the first person that we've ever had on here who's walked through those dragon den doors. But I guess you do have two sets of twins, so you're probably brave enough to do anything. Honestly, I still now, uh, 18 months on, can still feel the pain in my chest as my heart was beating and those doors opened. And the first person you see is Deborah Meaden looking at you. And then you see the rest of them because Deborah Meaden's in the middle. And just, and I had a set of twins with me on the den. We took four of our six children on with us, including one of the sets of twins. So um, it was, uh, it was, it was manic. Yeah, they do say never work with animals or children, don't they? Um, (laughs) But it all went well, though. (laughs) It all went brilliantly well. It it did. And we, so the BBC, we talked to them about the fact that we wanted to pitch our first aid business because we wanted uh, to launch our product in retail. So our first aid kits that we sell at classes and uh, the guys uh, in the BBC, so the editors, the producers said to us, well, we also like the angle of the fact that you teach children first aid as well as teaching adults. Why don't you show some children in your pitch? And at the time we were just coming towards the end of lockdown. And so obviously you can't be in touch with anybody's children but your own and you have to social distance. So we thought they were going to give us some sort of professional actor children, you Uh know, kids that actually know what they're doing and can look to camera. And they said, we can't because you can't actually be near or be in the vicinity of children that aren't your own. So uh, they said, well, how do you feel about bringing your own kids? And my husband, Matt, and I looked at us, as if to say, because everybody knows, right, that you can never get your own kids to do anything you want them to do, especially if they don't want to. And especially yeah. if they're three-year-old twins. Oh, yeah. and, um, but we did it. We did it. And actually, Sarah Davis would say to us that uh, it got the deal because we wandered into the den with four children to give a blinding demo who were completely fearless and weren't blind at all. And, um, and it got us the deal. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I've heard from I've heard from other people who've been on Dragon's Den 
that it can take like hours and hours and hours. Like the the actual snippet that you see is quite condensed, but you can be there for a long time with them really, really grilling you. Yeah, they do. So we so that the, you get three minutes to give your initial pitch, and that's basically what you want in money, what your business does, top line, and then that's the bit that our children were part of, and we gave a little demo, and then they left. They went off in the lift, which they loved because they pressed the button and off they went. And then they left Matt and I for another hour and 45 minutes of grilling. And the whole time you're being grilled, you stand on a spot so you can't move. And the cameras are running the whole time. So there's no stop. If you make a mistake, you've made a mistake. And it just keeps running. And then once they've got what they want in footage and you've got to the point whether you've had an offer or not. And in our case, we had an offer that we accepted then uh, they go away and edit and they edited down our hour and 45 minutes of pain mm-hmm. into 14 minutes of television, which they broadcast on BBC One. So, um, yeah, it was massive, a massive load of questions. Yeah, it's a real grilling. My goodness. Well, well done. We're super impressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so can you tell us a little bit about your family and how old the children are now? Because they're all they're all at school now, aren't they? Hurrah, they're all at school. Um, <laughs> that must have been a moment, sending, them off to, sending your youngest two off to school. Was it last year? It must have yeah. been like such a moment. Somebody filmed me doing one of those little sideways Dick Van Dyke kicks as I went <laughs> off down the lane after dropping them off at school going, yes, I've done it, I've done it. Um, <laughs> the only thing is, is then the reality is that obviously they're only at school for nine till three and then you've got to go get them and carry on. Yeah. Um, so yeah. my eldest son, Alfie, is 12 and a half and my daughter, Grace, is nearly 11. Uh, she won't say, I'm, I'm, she's not 10 anymore, she's nearly 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we always wanted a third baby and uh, we have the twins Emily and Olivia who are six uh, and then uh, we got a second set of twins sort of like a buy one get one free set um, and they have just just this month turned five so it's um, yeah it's quite a pack and um, and all quite close together so it's 20 months between my first two children and then 20 months between my two sets of twins oh wow that's incredible yeah how does Alfie feel being the only boy he loves it in the sense of the That's glory. Uh, yeah. So at the moment, we're just on the edge, right? So if I say, uh, and I have to be very careful what I say about him now, because he listens, his friends, oh, we saw your mum on this. Mm-hmm. But I would say pre-teen, just started secondary school, he uh, still thinks it's cool in the sense of everywhere we go, people go, wow, you've got five sisters. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I've got five sisters. <laughs> um, I, I think ask him in a few years, and he might have a different answer for you yeah, <laughs> when he's so in a queue true. for the bathroom, you know, and the uh, and the hormones. I think my husband Matt and Alfie might have to go and live in the garage because I don't think it's going to be a fun place to be. Yeah, oh, God, a lot, I'm a lot dreading of it. I'm dreading their garages, it. don't they? That's fine. It's kind of like a good mm, place for a teenager yeah, no. to hang out. <laughs> Absolutely. How do you how do you balance off? Because we've got kind of sim- we haven't got similar families at all, really. Because you've got so many kids, you've got double the number of kids I've got. Um, but I've got a twelve year old, nearly thirteen year old, and I've got twins that are four and a half. How mm-hmm. do you balance off that kind of? I mean, that's they've got such different needs, right? And have- they're such different creatures. How do you kind of balance things off with with that kind of age span? 
Yeah, it's it's tricky. And one of the things that I put on my Instagram a lot is asking for people to shout out or to give me ideas of places that we can go as a family because I need, if I want Alfie and Grace to come and do an activity with us at the weekend, I need them to want to engage in that and not be walking around dragging their feet Mm. going we're at another playground or you know we're at a toddler amusement park or whatever it is Um, and I sort of feel that we're constantly having to second guess that because it's changing all the time and we're having to work really hard to persuade Alfie to come out of his bedroom and come and join us with stuff so there's the activity stuff which is quite hard and we found that just being in the outdoors generally has is the is the good is the best place to be but the other thing I find really hard to balance is the actual activities that they do so when you're in scouts and then I've got babies that I say babies but you know four and just five-year-olds that are just starting their first ballet lessons and it all happens on the same evening I basically drive around in this great big truck and it should just say taxi on the side (laughs) because there is this constant And I have this, I would say probably guilt, actually, that Alfie and Grace have had a lot of opportunity. So pretty much any activity they've wanted to do, Mm. I've gone, yeah, we'll sign you up for that. Sounds great. You know, kids get so much opportunity, don't they? And I feel that we curtail what the twins do because we actually look at the logistics Mm. over the opportunity. Yeah. And so I have a lot of mum guilt Mm. where I go, "Mm." you know, by this age... Alfie and Grace were having really good swimming lessons. Well, my twins have never had swimming lessons. We've taught them, but we're not swimming instructors. And so consequently, my twins are okay swimmers, whereas by five and six, my older two were really good swimmers. You know, so it's that sort of, it's that constant. Mm. So I don't know what the answer is. It's like answers on a postcard, please. (laughs) I can totally relate to that. And all Mm. I can say is the fact that you feel guilty about it means that you're good parents. Mm. Um, I always tell myself that when I'm feeling really guilty I'm like it just means I'm a good parent Um, and also there'll be things that your twins will be getting that your older two didn't get whether it's like social skills because they're in a bigger family maybe they're learning to share I mean maybe they're not my my twins are terrible sharers (laughs) but you know there will be things that they will be that they will be benefiting from so try not to worry too much yeah yeah I think that I think that's it and I think what I do get is I get people in the street, as we all know, as twin mums, you get a lot of people making comments, yeah. you know, that they want to tell you stuff about how, you know, oh, you've got your hands full, etc. those cliches. But I also get people from large families who are always at pains to tell me how wonderful they found growing up in a large family and how they love their large family. And that sort of gives me some reassurance that it'll all be all right in the end. Yeah. They'll all come out in the wash. Yeah, it will. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that you were... Um, came for a third child and um, when you got your set, your first mm. set of twins um so how did you feel when you found out that you were having twins initially the first set well I'd uh, yeah so it was it, I almost say that one was a gift really because I'd had as a lot of women experience I'd had something called a missed miscarriage oh. where uh in my third pregnancy I had gone for a scan and it still makes me want to cry now mm. but you know you, you're lying there and they say I'm so sorry but we can't find a heartbeat and I hadn't miscarried in the sense of I was still carrying this baby. My body looked like I was pregnant and um, it was awful. It was awful, awful. And actually the twin pregnancy came after that. And so, so many people said to me, it's almost like you're getting a gift. You know, you lost that baby, but now you're getting two. Mm. And um, so I think it was pure joy. There was a bit of a, oh my gosh, we're going to have four kids. What car are we going to have? They won't all fit in the back seat. 
but actually the the first feeling was just wow this is that we're just we're blessed you know for one for a better word because this is this is lovely having had that loss so um yeah it was great first set were perfect news yeah oh that's lovely and how about when you found out about the second set (laughs) okay (laughs) um I had no idea we we'd it makes me sound like I've got I can say I laugh about it we have very sloppy contraception effectively (laughs) we're not very good at managing our contraception quite clearly um we hadn't intended to have any more children and we had a whoopsie uh brought on by some too many gins and uh fair enough (laughs) be very honest I've got to think you know they're going to listen to this in the future and go mummy I was a result of some extra gin and tonic um but we (laughs) self-confessed um but when I found out I was pregnant, I was I panicked because the first set of twins were only just over one. And I was like, oh, my goodness, they're still babies oh, when wow. they're one, aren't they? Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. um, they were only just on the move. It was just full on. And I kept thinking, hey, it'll be OK. I can have a baby, a newborn in a sling, and then I'll have a hand each for each of the twinnies. It'll be fine. And it was only when we went for that first scan and they said, oh, we've got two heartbeats. And whereas last time, the first time round with the twins, it had been pure joy. This time round, it was a positive panic. Yeah. I just looked and the lady was like, congratulations. Is this congratulations? Um, And interestingly, at the scan, whether it's right or wrong and what people agree or don't agree, but the sonographer said to me, you do have options. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to have these babies. Of course I'm going to have them. But I think my face and the fact that I just went, oh, my gosh, you know, we're going to have six children um, meant that it took a while to digest. And when I phoned my mum, my mum's first reaction was, don't tell me you're pregnant again. Oh, no. And I was like, ah, I am. And I'm having more twins. (laughs) And it was just silence (laughs) with my mum. And, you know, and my mum's, you know, has her opinions. And it was quite clear that she was like, what are you doing? And um, but, you know, you go with the cars you dealt, don't you? Yeah. And um, and there, there started <laughs> our chaos from that moment on. So what was the reality like then when when the, the, the second set of twins um, arrived? And obviously your, your idea was, you know, one baby in the sling, two hands. And obviously it's a bit harder with twins. Um, what, what was the hardest moment, would you say, with having the two older children, but then also toddlers and newborns? Well, it was all hands to the pump. But I think the, I remember being in, so the second set of twins were in special care for a little while. Um, And so we were on a transition ward. So I was in hospital for a while. And while I was there, the other twinnies came in to visit. And I remember the lady in the bed next to me going, whose babies are those? (laughs) Referring to my toddler twins. (laughs) And I went, they're mine. And she went, they're yours, you know, in the unit, you know. And I was like, no, no, they're mine as well. And when we've got a photo of our baby toddler twins looking over the cot at these two tiny ones, because they were only 20 months, and then there's these newborn twins, and it was just like all of these babies. So many babies. You know, and so many babies, so many nappies, oh, because yeah. everybody's in nappies. Um, and then to add to that, Grace had just started school. And we had Alfie sort of still in key stage one. So they're still sort of in the early part of their education. And Alfie and Grace still wanted bedtime stories. 
they still wanted me. It was me that they needed to cuddle with. It was me that school phoned if somebody had a bump or a fall. So it was just mental. And I had a sling that could fit both babies in that would be on the front of me so that I had both hands. And I would get myself to like a play group or a twin group and just know as long as I could get through the door, someone would help me from there on in. And and that's sort of been how we've rolled really yeah Yeah, no it's incredible isn't it I mean just from my own personal experience I felt overwhelmed with like two sets of needs coming Mm. from my twins so I can't imagine what it's like having like two sets of twins with four lots of needs plus your other children as well How, how do you deal with the overwhelm of that uh, I cry a lot mm. <laughs> um, and I think you know because I think sometimes social media can portray people that cope you know that generally we see stuff and we go and I get a lot of people saying well how do you do it how do you do it mm. and actually one of the things that one of the reasons that I started my Instagram account it's only a little Instagram account but why I started it was to be to give a very honest appraisal of what life was like and also to laugh at the pure ludicrous amounts of things that just happened to us you know so I would film everybody crying at the same time and share it and just go this is it because yes it's lovely to take pictures of six children all looking nice in their matchy clothes Mm. but the reality is is that perhaps I was only dressed from the waist up (laughs) properly you know and I hadn't brushed my hair and all that sort of stuff and so the overwhelm is very real and I still feel it now and in fact I feel it a lot at the moment because all the school pressures and everybody's activities seem to have just blown up. Everybody's yeah. doing so much stuff. July's so busy. There's yeah. always like yeah. school trips and like shows to go to with extra mm. things to rem- remember. It's a lot, isn't yeah. it? So- but I have, uh, I do lots of planning, loads of planning. We have a planner. I also have a really good husband, you know, and I think, you know, it's it's all, I think us women, we quite often get the pat on the back and the well done, but we are definitely a team. Mm. I genuinely don't know how single parents do it. You know, I think actually big, you know, I think, and single parents with t- twins, wow. Yeah. You know, because that's, I always felt like whenever Matt was with me, I could pass one or two on to him. And also I've got a really, really solid group of friends who probably have stuck with me because they just think it's hilarious. But, but you know, they've they've been good mates. You know, the sort of mates that go, you ring, they ring the doorbell and they go, I've made you dinner. You know, oh, you didn't incredible. ask me to, but I've made you dinner. Um, I'm not very good at asking for help. So my mates that know me well know that they just have to turn up and give it because then so I don't good. say no. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not a good person at saying, can you help me? I mean, it blows my mind how like the organisation that has to go into your life. Mm. So you said you've got a planner. How how does that work? Mm. Do you plan your week out quite strategically? Yeah, so it's stuck to the fridge so that everybody can see what's happening. And we keep a family diary on phones. But I, on Sunday night, sit with this, it's like a Sharpie, and write everybody's what's happening. Now, somebody said to me, do it in different colours. I haven't got there yet. I only have black, (laughs) you know, so it's all in... But, and um, in fact, I need to share a screenshot of the most, re- the most recent planner because it is bonkers, but then we can all look and we all know where we've got to be. But actually what the planner does is quite often is it just shows us, oh, we need to be in three places at the same time. <laughs> How are we going to do that? <laughs> yeah. So I write the planner up and then I get my phone out and I WhatsApp and friends and go, 
could you uh, could you take Grace to her tap exam and could you could you pick up the girls from school today and and that is just yeah because I'm actually I just put it all in the diary and then deal with the clashes afterwards which yeah. is probably not as planned as I should be but I'm definitely going to take that tip from you and get a family planner because it just feels like even with three children it gets so overwhelming um but mm. you mentioned that you f- do feel overwhelmed and I think it's it's really refreshing to hear you say that and you're so right that we're so used to seeing on social media you know people coping and you know and we're all guilty of putting the lovely stuff on social media mm-hmm. it's kind of in our nature isn't mm. it just to kind of show off the highlights of what we've been doing um but when you do like drop the ball or you realize that you know you're meant to be in a different place or you've forgotten about something important to your kids um how do you deal with that when when things go wrong so the sometimes my initial reaction is just a, is a is a bit of a panic i actually find that I am better when I'm on my own if I realise something's gone wrong. So I tend to have a worse reaction if my husband Matt is here. That's when I go, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this. I can't do this, I can't do this. And he goes, but if I'm on my own, I just have to go, right, okay, I can do this. So it's things like putting a new car seat in the car and I suddenly have to do it and I go, I don't know how this works. And if Matt was here, I would panic and say, you're just going to have to do it. I can't do it, I can't do it. Whereas if he's not here, I can be more... I don't know, I go into some sort of reserve battery or something somewhere. So I guess sometimes I'm more resilient when I'm on my own. Um, but I am also better at knowing that tomorrow will be better. So sometimes we just go to bed and we go, <laughs> it's been a crap day. Oh. And uh, my my eldest, no, my middle, no, I'm just going to get this right. The littlest twins yesterday mummy we've got something to show you and they'd got felt pen and they'd drawn glasses and full makeup on their face with felt pens I was just like no oh no no wasn't washable I take it (laughs) that's the kind of thing my twins would do yeah yeah and you just have to go right so this is the point where I get my phone out and I film it and I share it and I go how ridiculous how ridiculous are my children and then it sort of alleviates that oh my goodness, now I've got to scrub your faces until they're sore before they go to bed tonight <laughs> and explain to the teacher at school tomorrow why you've got red patches under your eyes from where I've aggressively yes. rubbed you with a flannel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm always wondering, because my twins are three now, um, and it is starting mm. to get a little bit easier, but as you're, you've got older twins than me, so I'm always interested in asking mm. this, like, is there a point at which um, they've become, it's a bit more like having siblings rather than the stress of having twins? Is it like when they're four and five and they start to become a bit more mm. autonomous and, and don't run off? Uh, yeah. I would say with the six-year-old twins, they are like siblings. They're not, they're, none of my twins are identical. Uh, so they, they all of mine look like they're from the same pack, but they do look different and they do have different personalities. So I would say now all of my kids can get themselves dressed. That's a game changer. Everybody being able to get dressed and everybody can go to the toilet by themselves. And those two things change your life quite, you know, because I used to spend my life in the toilet. Yes, I'm at <laughs> and that stage. Wiping bottles. Yeah. yeah, 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 you do. <laughs> and and we and we had accidents for quite a long time as well. So you're cleaning up that sort of stuff. So those two things have been massive. And one of the lovely things about twins is no, they're not perfect mates all the time, but they do have a ready-made playmate. Yeah which means that there's less pressure to do stuff because they have got somebody to play with or to have a sleepover with 
you know, or get in each other's beds or make a, a play game together. And they do have that. And that is lovely, you know, so it, do, it does change. It does change. The demand definitely changes and it does get better. It's just the bit that changes is the fact that they can answer you back. And yes. There's more sass, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and there's just different, there's different needs, but mm. the physical needs are definitely when they stop, that's definitely better. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I would agree with that with mine, with mine kind of creeping towards turning five. Um, one of the things actually that was, that I felt was a bit of a game changer was um, just before starting school, we had a, t- a talk with their head teacher and the head teacher was like, before they start school, we really urge you to um, get them to be as independent as possible. Um, so, you know, you know, if, if they're struggling to like open up a jar or a box, just let them struggle. Don't immediately, you know, leap in and mm-hmm. help. And I was like, that's so good. And it also means that um, if they if they want something like their water bottle and we're in the living room and they're like, mommy, mommy, go get my water bottle. I used to just like like an idiot, leap up and mm-hmm. run and get it for them. Here you are, darling. Mm-hmm. Here you are. And now I'm like, you've got to go and get it. Your head teacher says yeah, you've yeah. got to do stuff for yourself. So I'm just like sitting back on the sofa, like, <laughs> you go and get it. Go on. <laughs> it's like so Absolutely. good. Yeah. And then you can say, go, you know, another year, go fill it up, you know, and you sort of have to hold your breath with the mess, you know, and when they want to do something themselves, you know, it's like my girls will all yeah. know, will all serve their own breakfast, which is, uh, <laughs> there's Cheerios everywhere. Yeah. There's Cheerios everywhere, but everybody's put oh, their own yeah. breakfast in their own bowl. And we're just like, you know, eventually we'll get to the point where they actually put their own chip, you know, they actually all go in the bowl and the milk goes in the bowl as well, yeah. but we're getting there and it's those sorts of things, but it is hard because it's so much easier to lean over them and go, come on, I'll do it. Isn't yeah, it? You know, we, it's yeah. so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now, Kate, um, we're already in a lot of awe, a huge amount of awe um, at everything that you're doing. Um, but you've also, like we've said, got a very successful business, Mini First Aid, um, to run as well. Um, can you tell us what inspired you to start it and why First Aid is such an important thing to you? I always find when I get asked this question, I have to try not to cry. Oh. But uh, my, I, ha- I had a brother. Uh, and my brother died when he was 23, and uh, what happened with him is he had a condition called cardiomyopathy, and you hear about this often in the media with footballers or um, athletes where they suddenly go into cardiac arrest, Um, and there's a lot of work now where uh, athletes, particularly footballers, are screened as part of their training when they have a professional contract to check that their heart is doing what it's doing. Now, obviously, my brother, I say obviously, but he wasn't a professional footballer. He was a university student in Portsmouth. So he hadn't been screened and we didn't know that he had cardiomyopathy. So the first time that we knew he had cardiomyopathy was when we were phoned to be told that he'd died. And he had been out celebrating with his friends at the end of his final exams. And he was running around on Portsmouth Beach and had gone into cardiac arrest. And what happened at that time was that the people that were on the scene with him initially didn't know how to deliver CPR. And uh, because his heart condition was so bad, we don't know if the outcome would have been different. So we weren't about, we could have brought him back. But what those young people have carried with them is the fact that they couldn't do it. And... That sat with me and lots of people do when they have big loss, particularly for somebody who dies too young, 
um, is that people go into mass fundraising. We see amazing campaigns and we did some fundraising, but there was always this thing for me that just said I, I needed to do something with it. And it actually took me a number of years after he died. And then I had Alfie and it's sort of like everything came together because actually what happened was, is I thought, God, everybody needs to know how to do CPR. And now I've got this precious baby. What if something happened to him? Because when you get that job of becoming a mum or a dad or a carer, is that suddenly you have this position of responsibility and however much they drive you mad, you love the bones of them. And if anything happens to them, God forbid, you want to know what to do. Mm. And there just wasn't that education here in the UK. It was there from the big charities if you wanted to do a formal workplace course, but it wasn't there in a more informal setting. So you could do yoga, you could do ballet, you could do baby massage. You know, you've done it. We've all done it with our babies, but you couldn't go and learn how to save your baby's life. So I wrote this class and I started running it in local church halls. It was never intended to do what it's done now. It was just to make me feel better as a parent, to equip my friends and family in the local community. And that was eight years ago. And I was training a handful of people every week. And Mini First Aid now trains over a thousand families every week. And we have 70 training centres across the UK. And we partner with the likes of the Twins Trust, who I love. We partner with the NCT to deliver their first aid training. And ultimately, what's coming out of it is that babies' lives are being saved as a result of our teaching. And I know I'm never going to get my brother back. Um, I'm gutted. I miss him. I think he'd be a brilliant uncle, even if he was horrible to me. <laughs> but I um, I know that it would do him proud because I would never, ever want somebody to be in a situation where something happened and they didn't know what to do. And so... That's our mantra, really. And we've taken it from teaching babies to teaching children in schools to teaching teenagers in high school. And we also teach adults as well. So everybody, the whole family can learn. And then God forbid you're ever in that position where somebody gets burned or their heart stops beating or they choke or they cut themselves badly. You just go, it's all right. I've done a mini first aid class. I know what I'm doing. And that's that's basically it. Mm. So long old story, but that's why we do what we do. It makes so much sense. I mean... you just think mm. about all the ridiculous things you buy when you have children and really what you're saying, mm. <laughs> if we invested in a first aid course, then you'd have that peace of mind, which also helps with the overwhelm yeah, of, totally. you know, having young children mm-hmm. around. Um, what would you say mm. is like one of the most important things that people should know about first aid? I think CPR is the bust, you know, because ultimately we need to breathe to be alive you know so Mm. if somebody stops breathing you know what to do but actually for parents when we surveyed parents recently is that actually 70% of the parents that came to our classes said the motivation for coming to our classes was fear of choking because we have this um, you know we talk about weaning in the sense of you know there's loads of wonderful um, ways to teach to, to, to go on the baby led weaning route if that's what you choose mm. but suddenly you go from milk feeding to giving your baby something solid 
and you let them put it in their mouths themselves because you've been inspired to do it. And there's some wonderful recipes. I was listening to Annabelle uh, on the podcast last season and just the fact that, you know, you've got all these wonderful things. But then as the parent, you're sat there going, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So actually, the biggie for me is knowing how to deal with with choking. And then we did um, in the survey that we ran, one of the other interesting things that came out of our recent survey was that nearly 50% of the people surveyed didn't know where their local defibrillator was located. So you might have seen them when you're out and about, stuck on the side of a shop or in an old phone box. But if you put people on the spot and say, from your house, where's the nearest? So if you ring 999, they might say to you, particularly if it's an adult and they're in cardiac arrest, send somebody to get the defibrillator. It's in the pub or it's in the... So we always say to people, just make sure you know where it is and then we'll teach you Mm. how to use it. Yeah, I have to admit, yeah, I've yeah. got no idea. So I will yeah. <laughs> put that on my to do list today. After, this, today. after yeah. this conversation <laughs> this morning, yeah, I, yeah. Think, <laughs> but I think there's one um, at our local Tesco, which is not too mm. far from here. So mm. I think I think that's fine. I'm going to check. Um, it's yeah. it's amazing though what you're doing, Kate. And I have to say that I would say that doing a first aid course is in the same category for me as doing a self defense course. It's been one of those things that's been on my. I must do that one of these days. And I reckon a lot of people probably are like mm. that, where they think I must do that, but they never actually get around to doing it. Um, yeah. But can you tell us if anyone's listening and they are exactly like me in that way, um, where can they find out about, you know, um, the nearest mini first aid course to them? Yeah, of course. So our website, biddyfirstaid.co.uk, has this lovely function at the bottom where you just pop your postcode in and it'll tell you where your nearest class is. And one of the things for our classes is we want to price them so that they're affordable. So it's £25 to come to a mini first aid class. And uh, so it's the price for takeaway. So it's not a big expense. Um, We also work with organisations to offer funded classes for our harder to reach communities as well. So we don't want to rule out anybody being able to attend on their ability to pay. Mm. So um, you just pop that into the website and the classes take place in pubs. They take place in uh, soft plays, yoga studios, all sorts of places. And also, if you've got a group of friends, our trainers will come and teach you at home. So you get the joy of learning first aid whilst wearing your slippers. It's lovely. So you have your mates That's over. So we don't even mind if you have a glass of wine. Oh, That's amazing. okay. First, and a first then, aid party. <laughs> that sounds like my Absolutely. kind of thing. You, you, you wouldn't believe the number of parties that we've done, particularly for antenatal groups, where they get everybody together and they do the first aid and then they go, now we're having a party. Because <laughs> we're all idea. here together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So remind us of, of the website and also all the socials. Yeah, of course. So it's minifirstaid.co.uk and on socials it's at minifirstaid to look us up. And uh, if you uh, are interested in more first aid advice, because obviously it's hard to learn everything in a class, is that we also have a newsletter that we send out uh, every week to our subscribers. And it's not to sell you or push you anything. It is literally health advice for babies and children and your family. So we cover things like um, uh, chicken pox, bronchiolitis, which is one of the things that my twins had and ended up in hospital, um, burn, sunburn, how to deal with that, how to prevent burns, home safety, all sorts of things all come in that newsletter and just subscribe and it drops in your inbox each week. And then I also have the joy of hosting a podcast as well um, where we talk to health professionals about 
uh, family health subjects that people want to know more about, the sort of stuff that the GP might say, oh, I think your baby has this. And you go, I've never heard of that before. That's the sort of stuff that I interview health professionals on to find out a little bit more. So so we have our family health podcast as well, so that you can get us whether you come to a class or you like to read it on an email or whether you like to listen to it in your ears, whichever way you want to, to get us. So we've got lots of different routes. And um, I really think I need to get one of your mini first aid kits as well. They're available on your website. They are. So one of the things that as a result of being on Dragon's Den is that we have our first aid kits that we sell at our classes and we love it. And we created it because we used to say to people in a class, um, make sure you have a first aid kit because you never know when you need a plaster or bandages and what have you. And uh, people would sort of look and go, oh, I don't think I've got one of those. Where do I get them? And I used to, in the old days, I used to say, oh, just pop to Tesco's or pop to... And then I thought, you know what, I need to design my own, you know, actually have a mini first aid branded one, which we now have. Uh, And you can now buy them in John Lewis. You can buy them in Boots. You can uh, buy them on our website. You can buy them from Amazon and you can buy them from our classes. And a lot of that has come off the back of Dragon's Den where retailers have said, yeah, we love it. We love your kit. We'll pop it in our stores. So there's all sorts of places that you can pick up the mini first aid kits as well. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been really inspiring and just reassuring as well to hear everything that you've been doing. So thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on. We're definitely going to be signing up for our first aid courses and getting one of those kits for sure. Thanks, Kate. It's been great speaking to you. Pleasure. Pleasure.